Hello, and welcome to BNP Paribas Asset Management's weekly market podcast. I'm Daniel Moore, Senior Investment Strategist with BNP Paribas Asset Management. This week, I'm joined by Pam Hegarty, who is a Senior Portfolio Manager for our Disruptive Technology Strategies and an Equity Analyst on the U.S. Equity Team. Uh, this week, besides Pam sharing her insights in particular in what's happening in the technology space, I will do a bit of a review on European earnings. What are the signals we're getting from the European market after the U.S. earnings season has mostly wrapped up? But as we do that, one of the key things that we're looking at is the evolution of the number of cases that are being reported, new coronavirus infections that are being reported, particularly in the countries that are starting to loosen lockdowns. It's a key issue for the markets over the next several weeks at a minimum is as infections probably inevitably start to rise, how are governments going to react to that? To what degree, if at all, will governments reimpose restrictions to try to control the increase in infections? Keeping in mind, as they've already seen, the economic consequences of the severe lockdowns that we've had over the last couple months. And as an example of that, we got this week German GDP data, which showed a around 2% decline in GDP in the quarter, which actually wasn't so bad compared to some of the others in Europe in the first quarter, but still a signal of the economic costs of the measures that have been necessary in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. So I mentioned we wanted to talk about earnings because the key thing we need to keep in mind as we evaluate the level of stock markets is how the earnings outlook is relative to the level of the markets. And so far, if we have estimates for declines in earnings of 10 to 12 percent from fourth quarter of 2019 to the fourth quarter of 2020, you know, how aligned is that with the results we have so far in equity markets? And we've seen particularly this week, equity markets a little weaker as some of the bad news uh, continues to pile up, uh, not only around earnings, but also around the economic outlook. Now, the results we have so far for the European earnings season, and of course, we always need to keep in mind that a lot of companies don't report on a quarterly basis in Europe, much more semi-annual. So we are working with a limited data set in the first quarter, but that's the data that we have. Uh, and what we've seen, not surprisingly, isn't particularly encouraging, pretty dramatic declines in the first quarter of this year versus the first quarter of a year ago uh, in the order of 30% year on year. And even if we take out the energy sector, where, of course, with the fall in oil prices, earnings are quite bad, you're still looking at 20% or so declines in earnings and would, would anticipate that that's probably going to be yet worse when we get to the second quarter. So in the near term, uh, certainly not the most encouraging data, but investors are looking, if anything, much more at the signals companies are giving about the outlook for the rest of the year and what kind of rebound they hope to see in the second half of 2020. So with that, let's turn to our, our star for today. So, Pam, first question for you. 
One possible consequence of the COVID-19 crisis may be a fast-forwarding of trends that were already underway. What do you think will be the most important consequences for the companies that you follow? Well, uh, thank you so much, Daniel. It's uh, it's great to be speaking with you. Um, and uh, that that is a great observation. Uh, as Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said on their um, on their earnings call just a, a few days ago, we're basically seeing um, two years worth of digital transformation in only two months. So clearly, the impact of the coronavirus. Uh, and the subsequent shelter at home and, and recessionary environment is um, accelerating the adoption of cloud computing. In, in large part, this is to support remote work uh, under the stay-at-home orders. And it, it actually goes beyond work from home. It's also, as we all know, entertainment from home, telemedicine, mass notification systems. Uh, so one of the stocks I cover is called Everbridge, and they have Software as a Service, which is a cloud platform to enable both companies as well as governments to notify employees and citizens of important up-to-date information and to even receive uh, a signal back from the, uh, from the individuals. Uh, we're also seeing more remote provisioning of services. A great example is if you are any type of service company, you can't really go into people's homes uh, safely at this time. And so to the extent that you can use virtual reality or augmented reality through a smartphone to see what the problem is at the, at the customer's uh, home and uh, try to troubleshoot it remotely, uh, that can be quite helpful. So we've seen an acceleration in uh, video conferencing, uh, collaboration software, security software, uh, the need for supporting work-from-home employees through virtual desktops or virtual private networks and so forth. We're also seeing uh, an acceleration of e-commerce. And just yesterday, I was on a group call with uh, the investor relations person from Visa, and she highlighted that in Latin America, uh, the company saw a 20% increase in the number of people using uh, their Visa card online in just one quarter. So that's an additional 13 million people just with Visa cards shopping online. And so we can clearly see this. Uh, we're all, you know, limiting our trips to the grocery store and so forth. The third area is digital payments. And there's been a, a very distinct shift to what's referred to as card not present type transactions. So whether that's online shopping or simply, you know, when you order food delivery over the telephone, providing your credit card. Uh, and not actually presenting the card in person. And so there's a whole group of financial uh, technology companies uh, that are supporting that, that very sudden shift. And there's some smaller changes, too. Uh, there's even, you know, Cisco was talking the other day about a group of their employees were actually using 3D printing uh, to produce face shields for healthcare workers. And so, you know, 3D printing is one of those technologies that's kind of had a very, very slow adoption curve, but the coronavirus situation shows that that type of flexible manufacturing capacity and localized manufacturing capacity can be used to uh, meet very specific needs. And in general, there's just more interest in automation, and it's not just fa factory automation with robots, but more importantly, uh, using software to automate 
whether it's customer service or other types of functions. So uh, although, you know, clearly this is a very difficult uh, period of time for, for everybody, you know, it has highlighted some of these um, some of these trends. That's really fascinating, and that's a great quote of two years of digital transformation in two months. I think we already thought things were changing more quickly than we really could handle, and if anything, it's just now going faster. That is part of, I would imagine, is a very challenging investment environment for you as a portfolio manager, volatility, trying to understand which of these changes perhaps are more short-term versus long-term, and then trying to make your investment decisions. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you're thinking about the long-term opportunities in the stocks that you're buying. What is your strategy for the rest of the year with all these cross-currents around you? You, you, again, you bring up some some important considerations, and it is an extremely difficult time uh, to be trying to read the tea leaves in the markets, particularly when there feels like there's a disconnect, at least in recent weeks, with how the uh, U.S. stock market has been reacting uh, versus, you know, the reality on the ground with the coronavirus and so forth. But, you know, we are basically sticking to our long-term strategy which uh, for the disruptive technology strategy is very focused on secular growth themes of cloud computing, artificial intelligence, automation, and the Internet of Things. And within that, uh, we try to maintain a really good balance between defensive, traditionally defensive names such as Microsoft or Visa and other companies where we really believe in the long-term secular growth, but they might be uh, feeling challenges in the short term, and uh, examples of that might include anybody from, you know, SAP to Square to New Relic, where it's harder to sell software if you can't visit clients. Uh, deal, you know, deal sizes are getting lowered, sales cycles are getting longer, uh, but we still believe in those long term. So, maintaining that that kind of balanced approach and sticking to our core themes is the key message. Uh, you know, we are running probably with a little bit more cash than normal uh, in our strategies in general for the U.S. equity team, uh, still, you know, below 5% cash for sure, but trying to maintain that flexibility so that we can take advantage of opportunities. And one thing we did uh, in early March when the market was really uh, at the depth of the first V-shaped downturn out of the, uh, you know, the late February time period is we actually opportunistically bought a two stocks in our disruptive technology strategy where we the valuation had finally become more compelling. So longer term secular growth winners, one is a you know e-commerce platform company in, in Canada. And so, you know, we're just trying to stick to our knitting, uh, but be very mindful of the information and the data that comes out. Well, I think it's interesting that you mention a word that, you know, we always hear when it comes to investing, and I'd say that's diversification and, and balance within your portfolio, or I imagine for any investor always needing to have on one hand, as you talk about defensive positions, because uh, we don't quite know what's going to happen, and there certainly is nervousness in the market right now, but at the same time, realizing there are probably some opportunities that are coming up that uh, probably won't come back anytime soon. Speaking around opportunities and over the next coming months, what is it that you're keeping in mind? What kind of opportunities 
Are you looking for, are there any particular themes that you're focusing on? Uh, yes. And, you know, one of the things that we're learning through this um, pandemic and the resultant recession is it's really, uh, it really exposes um, and puts a spotlight on some of the income and equality, income inequality issues that we have in our society. And here I'm thinking primarily of things like access to broadband uh, or fast internet service, and also things like access to banking and, and financial services. And so I think that uh, we can see as we accelerate this digital transformation, it could actually, um, you know, the positive side of technology is that it can actually help bring in more people, you know, to, uh, to broadband, to financial services and so forth. And one example is the company Square, where their cash app is enabling, uh, it, it can accept direct deposits. So if you have a cash app account, you automatically get a direct deposit account. And it's enabling individuals in the U.S. to receive their stimulus payments from the government faster. And it also works for uh, the unemployment payments as well. And so it's that type of thing that I think uh, longer term will be um, a continuing opportunity. Related to that is renewable energy, and you might wonder why a technology analyst is worried about energy. But clearly, all of these internet uh, data centers, these cloud data centers, uh, use a ton of electricity. But uh, quite a bit of, quite a few of the major cloud service providers uh, have renewable energy initiatives, and so they are trying to directly source or offset their carbon footprint by investing in solar and wind. And I think uh, renewable energy is, is clearly, uh, you know, part of the answer. We're all enjoying a period of time where there's a little bit less pollution, you know, so I think that's an area uh, that's interesting as well. And really, uh, another interesting area, which you may talk to my, you know, some of my health uh, colleagues in the near future, but the idea of health monitoring and how can we increase the capacity of the healthcare system in a cost-effective manner? And one area is what we're seeing even in the near term is a push to provide technology to monitor patient health at home um, and so that you know when it's time to go to the hospital. So I think that's an opportunity. Uh, within you know, industrial, I think the whole concept of the digital twin that companies like Siemens are, are promoting is very important because you can enable remote and low-touch servicing of factories and other types of infrastructure if you have a digital twin of the actual physical um, factory or physical, you know, uh, utility plant or, or what, whatever it might be. And throughout this, uh, it's very important to have data and the ability to analyze that data through machine learning and other artificial intelligence type strategies and models. And, you know, we have to be cognizant of data privacy, of course, but it's very, very important to use data to make the correct decisions uh, based on testing, um, contact tracing, and being able to isolate people. Uh, and I think longer term, uh, it will, you know, it'll increase the uh, applicability of, of AI in our society. Well, if I can summarize then what Pam has shared with us, number one, um, really with the coronavirus crisis, an acceleration of trends that had been in place, but now uh, two years of transformation in two months. 
work at home like we're all experiencing, uh, entertainment uh, much more at home uh, as opposed to outside, uh, the impact on retail and e-commerce and something that was new to me, uh, the benefits for 3D printing and localization and, and to be honest, a bit along the line of the theme we've discussed already of deglobalization. Uh, Pam very helpfully pointed out that there hopefully will be some benefits from this. And if we can look for opportunities to reduce income inequality, uh, unequal access to broadband or to, uh, financial resources, that would be a good thing that could come out of the crisis, uh, but also implications for renewable energy, uh, hopefully in a positive way and also improvements in healthcare monitoring. So a lot of changes. Hopefully we'll get more of the good ones at the end of this. So thanks again, Pam, for joining us and to you who have listened in today. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. Thank you and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.